Hello, and welcome to this week's MicroConf Refresh episode, where we look back at one of the best MicroConf talks of all time. And we listen to the audio in this feed, and then we click through to the YouTube video if you want to see the visuals. And no list of the best MicroConf talks would be complete without a talk from Steli Efti. This week's talk is how to build a solo SaaS sales machine. And Steli Efti, founder of Close.com and co-host of the Startup Chat podcast, talked in 2015 at MicroConf about how to build your own SaaS sales machine if you don't have piles of money from venture capitalists lying around. He says, in this video, you're going to learn about the core principles of selling, how to write emails that get opened, why 90% of success is in the follow-up, and more. Steli's a prolific writer, podcaster, and uh, incredibly talented speaker, and he's graced the MicroConf stage several times talking about SaaS, and people just can't seem to get get enough of him. So I really hope you enjoy this week's talk from Steli FD. All right, so uh, let's talk about sales, right? So first, a little bit about my background for the people who've never heard of me. How many people don't know who the fuck I am? Shrey, be proud. Oh my God, that's the right level of humble pie I need to start a talk, right? <laughs> nobody gives a shit about you. Nobody knows who you are. That's the right, that's good. There's still a lot more work to be done. So for you people, uh, let me tell you just a little bit about myself so you know why you should care or listen to me or why you shouldn't. So I've been a, an entrepreneur my whole life. I'm completely unemployable. I have no credentials, no college education or anything else. So... Uh, I am originally from Greece, born and raised in Germany, built multiple businesses there, and all, all self-funded. I was just about to say bootstrap, but Hitten is kicking my ass every time I say that. Self-funded is the new term, so all self-funded businesses. Eight years ago, I sold everything I had, I bought a one-way ticket, and I moved to Silicon Valley to start my first technology company. And uh, five years into that, that turned into a massive catastrophe, and there's lots of entertaining stories about that, some public that I can share if you're curious. But what I did uh, three years ago is we started a business called Elastic Sales. And Elastic Sales, what we did there basically is we offered SaaS businesses, specifically venture-backed SaaS businesses in Silicon Valley, an outsourced sales team on demand. So we would sell on behalf of you to customers and ramp up your sales process for you. Uh, we did this for over 200 venture-backed startups and we became one of the best kept secrets in Silicon Valley because nobody knew of our existence, but we knew what everyone was doing in the B2B space. Uh, and with a lot of companies that you know that became real big SaaS success stories, uh, some little part of that success uh, we, we had a role in in terms of their sales scale and, and, and growing and, and moving really, really fast. So we got a lot of exposure to everything that works and doesn't work and how it works. And from the get-go, from day one, we built an internal little tool uh, called Close.io, a little sales software tool to allow us to do better, close more deals, make more sales, and ultimately avoid the pain of using Salesforce or any other CRM that was out there at the time all day long. So we built a little internal tool. We never intended to release that tool. And we're kind of an interesting case study in the sense that we went from a consulting and outsourcing business, a services business, to a software, pure software business. The whole thing with us is, though, that we didn't do this on intention. Um, like, there was no strategy where we said we want this sweet SaaS money, we want this scalable stuff. What happens was we built this internal tool, it started to become better and better, uh, and then eventually sale, our salespeople would show our sales software to their salespeople friends and go, ha ha, you can't have this, right? This is only for us. 
And then we started getting salespeople giving us sales calls trying to sell us on the idea of us selling them our sales software. Right? Once that happens, it's a pretty strong signal in the market. Uh, and then what happened was that a small group in our team started lobbying for us to release the sales software every single day. I didn't want to do it. I knew that we had an, an amazing product and I knew eventually we would release it, but I was so busy running a services business that was growing that I really didn't want to launch another business in parallel. But that's a, a, a rule that's always true, which is that the person with the highest level of clarity always wins. And I was not as clear not wanting to launch that this person in the team wanted it to launch. So at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, at every fucking meeting, every fucking day, the person would be like, when do we release the software? We need to launch the product. When are we launching the product? We need to launch the product. When are we launching the product? Until eventually I went, oh, fuck it. All right, this is a room. You're four people, three months launching. I don't want to fucking hear anything about it anymore. And he was like, all right. I didn't see him for three months, and they released the software. And... As an entrepreneur, I've been wrong my entire life about everything. I can't think of one time in my life I wasn't wrong about something. But once in a while, very rarely, I'm really happy I'm wrong, and this was one of these cases. I thought that it would take forever for us to scale up to the revenue level that we had with the services business, and it didn't. Like, Closeye was a pretty big success from the get-go. We're a very profitable business today, and if you're doing inside sales to B2B companies, you want to check out Close.io. Check it out and let me know what you guys think. All right, enough of that. I don't just uh, release sales software and give sales advice. I also launch uh, Baby Boys. So on the left, uh, well, that's uh, my oldest one. We launched him two and a half years ago. And then uh, on the left, uh, on, the, yeah, on, the le on the right, from your perspective, it's my youngest one. We launched him one year ago. Uh, and, you know, we launched is, you know, it was more my wife that was the technical founder here. Um, I had more of a support and business development role in the whole relationship. But uh, those are my bosses. Uh, the reason why I do what I do and I need to show, off, uh, show them off whenever I can. All right, so let's first talk a little bit about salespeople, right? So most of you, if you think about like sleazy, douchebaggy salespeople, you think of somebody that looks like me right now. Uh, Rob saved me. I had one more button up. I didn't realize. I did the whole like, you know, the whole douchebag look. But uh, it, the role model that I want you to have when it comes to sales is this guy, right? This is one of my favorite salespeople. You know, and make no mistake, in no room that Patrick ever walks in, people turn around and go, this must be a sales guy, right? <laughs> Nobody would ever mistake him for that, but he's a fucking sales hustler, right? I fucking love Patrick because he understands a few things, and if you understand these things, you are dangerous when it comes to sales. He understands how to sell based on value, right? He understands how not to fizzle around about features and about pricing and cost. He understands to truly know what the values he can provide and then refocus the conversation on that. Can I help you fix something? What's the value that that represents in your life? Let's talk about that because that completely changes the equation and reframes the conversation completely differently. The other thing he understands is to truly qualify people. This is something engineers really know well, which is to ask questions until you arrive at a level of understanding that needs the minimal amount of interpretation possible, right? So, you know, a salesperson, when they're on the call and, and somebody goes, well, we need email marketing systems integrated in your tool, do you have that? The salesperson goes, e he said email. Yeah, we do email, right? 
Uh, or the salesperson will go, well, what, do you, what would you need to buy our product? And the, the, the prospect goes, well, we really need something that does email marketing as part of your CRM sales solution. And the salesperson will hang up and go to the engineering room and go, hey, do we do email marketing? Can we do email marketing? What could we do in email marketing? And then the engineer goes, what do you mean by email marketing? Is it a fucking newsletter, a drip email? Is it, what, what exactly, email marketing is everything and nothing. Oh, I don't know, I'll call the customer again, call the prospect. Uh, what exactly did you mean with email marketing? Uh, well, we wanna do drip based on what actions people take on our website. Okay, cool, let me check with our engineer if we can do that. I now know what they need. They need drip based on actions people take on our website. What kind of actions? What's the exact thing they need? What are they using today? Why? What kind of technology would they need to integrate? Do they, do they have engineers on the team? Like, I can't give you any answer on that question, it's too generic, which is why engineers are awesome at sales, if they truly understood the power they have. If you know how to ask questions to arrive at truly understanding the prospect, all you have to do at the end of that is decide, can I help this person or not? If the answer is yes, you just have to tell them, based on everything you said, I can fucking help you, and here's how. That's it, that's all the sales education you need to be really, really effective. The problem is most people don't ask the questions. Most people start selling and they go, we do this, we do this, we do this. They throw darts in the dark and they hope something will stick. Hopefully if I say 20 positive things about my product, something is gonna be in there that they like. That's a waste of time, that's really bad salesmanship. You can be an amazing salesperson by asking the right questions, qualifying people correctly, and then if, they, if you can help them, you tell them. If you can't, you tell them, I can't help you. And that's it. One thing that, uh, Patrick learned recently that made it even more dangerous is how to follow up. I'm gonna speak about that later on, but that's my religion. That's the, probably the single highest ROI advice I give. And today, almost daily, there's somebody sending me an email telling me how they closed deal, raised around, got pressed, got married because they followed up indefinitely until they got a result, a yes or a no. And, and, and Patrick sends me emails once in a while that like, oh shit, Steli, I just closed this deal because I follow up seven times and I go, Oh my God, that's all, like, he's my favorite. Whenever I get an email from Patrick, I'm so excited because it's gonna be some deal he closed or some fucking awesome stuff he's done. And he's not your atypical salesperson. So you can be really dangerous in sales without fitting the mold of whatever your preconceived notion is what sales really entails. All right, let's get more tactical. So a couple of things. So this is gonna be, I'm gonna try to share as many tactics when it comes to you, if you're a small team or single founder, how to build a sales machine. One thing quickly to touch on is that content is not just for marketing. Content is also for sales. If you content right, it could be your invisible salesperson in the cloud. And I was not aware of this myself. I always thought of content as a marketing activity. We do all the marketing we do at Close.io is all content marketing. We out-teach our competitors because we think we know more. We don't think, let me not try to attempt to be humble. We know more about sales than any other company in our space. So all we do is we try to educate people on sales. The one thing I didn't realize, I thought that's all, that we do that so people know about us, they build a relationship with us and then they discover our software and they become customers. But one thing that we learned is that a lot of our customers buy our software, they make a buying decision of the software before they know if the software can do everything they want based on the content we give them. So a person will sign up for a trial, they'll get the email course that I have, they'll read a few blog posts, and within the first two days, they will decide, the person will decide, these people really fucking know sales, so I want to really know sales, so I should better buy from them. It really bumps our conversion numbers dramatically up in terms of our 
trial to, to customers. Um, and the other thing that's awesome about content is that it compounds. It took me two years to figure this out. But just like SaaS revenue, you start and it's fucking nothing. You do it consistently for two years or 20, as some people. And the, you, that little, little shit compounds to a really massive amount of traffic and customers and sales. So uh, think of content as potentially a salesperson. Content uh, that could convince people of buying your software, that you're an expert, that you, your company is, and your product is really the best tool to help them solve a certain problem. Let's talk a little bit about sales emails, and I know you guys know a shit ton about emails, so I'm gonna try to be focused on the things that might have not been covered as much. To me, emails are simple. There's a, it's a three-step process. Really a fourth, but whatever. Three steps. Somebody needs to open that motherfucker, read it, and then respond. That's it. That's how I approach emails. First, I wonder, what do I need to write to make somebody open that email? Now, you know a lot about like subject lines, right? You, the subject line should not be all caps, should not be read like it's written to, a, it's not a newsletter or something. If it reads like it comes from a human being to a human being, it's gonna get a lot higher open rates. Um, some hacks here, sometimes I see people get better open rates when they have a misspelling in the subject line. It's crazy. You do something that's weird or wrong, it seems more human, so people will respond to it with more humanity and open it, right? Um, the, and, and then there's, the, and the other thing you need to uh, be concerned about is that you can do a lot of hacks to make people open your email, but you then wanna deliver what you promised, right? It's again about starting off the relationship on the right foot. So I, one of the most, people ask me, what's one of the most effective uh, sales email subject lines you've ever gotten? And I ask, what's effective? What is the definition of effective? Well, you open it immediately. I'm gonna tell you, the most effective email in terms of me opening it immediately was a subject line that started really disappointed. I opened my email inbox, there's a fucking 150 emails, and I zoom in instinctively, really disappointed. I'm the CEO of a business, I'm like, what did we fuck up? What did I fuck up? Like, what the fuck, right? So I instantly opened that with a very high level of intensity and urgency, and the email continues so it's, it started really disappointed, and then it continues that we weren't able to connect yet. Our outsourced blah, blah, blah. And I go, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus, I was like, that's brilliant, awesome, my God, that was a great subject line, delete. <laughs> Fuck you, right? If you wanna trick me, it's not gonna start. Or somebody else said like a re, you know when you do the re, as, as if this is a reply to an email chain, did the re, and then starts off with like, haha, I used the re, but it's really a trick, but blah, 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 and I was like, yeah, delete, right? I mean, I don't, like, you get me to open, that's not all there is. So, but you wanna do things, not capitalize, write like human beings, short is good. Quick question is not deceiving if you really have a question. If you're like, quick question, then your entire fucking email is a pitch, then you're, you're an asshole, right? Uh, you, you promised me something that you didn't deliver. Next thing is, I need to read the shit. So here's the way I think about copy in general, but email copy in specific. Every sentence is a pitch for why I should give a fuck and read more and more sentence in this, right? Now, there's exceptions to this rule. If your email is just two sentences, it's harder not to read than to read. Reading your email is less work for me than you know, having the cognitive energy to decide not to read yeah, these five letters. So when something is short, people will just read it. But in general, if you have a little bit more content, you need to understand that you can't bury the lead. You can't put the most important shit at the bottom. You have to start with it. Every sentence, need, 
And every sentence at the end, I need to go, and why should I waste one more sentence of my life with this email? And then I need to respond. So you need to have one clear call to action, just one. You guys know this. Don't ask me for three things. Don't have a PDF attached, a PowerPoint, 12 links that you click, and a question you have for me. Just don't make me work too hard, right? That's sim simple stuff. For people that have SaaS products and have people that are in trials, you're not sending people enough email. Here, here, here's the deal. Whatever amount of email you send, multiply it by two by the end of uh, today, and this conference was fucking worth it. If a certain amount of people don't think you're spamming them, you're not sending enough email. You're not. You're not. Don't optimize your business on not, you know, I'm not offending anyone on this planet. Like, ten, if, if, if I get three out of 10 people to love me and I get them successful and seven out of those 10 to hate me, I'm okay with that. I'd rather have that than have 10 people that are equally indifferent about me and I've made no difference in their lives. This is not a popularity contest. This is about creating value. So send more email. In our trial, people get seven emails during a 14-day trial, and those emails are all personalized. Uh, you know, it's going to be like an account manager that reaches out and says, hey, I'm your account manager. If you have any questions, let's chat. A day later, you get an email from me. Hey, I'm the founder of the business. I want to welcome you if you ever need anything. A few days later, based on what you do or you don't do on our product, you'll get a few emails. Two days before the trial is over, you'll get an email that asks you if you want an extension, if we should chat. At some point, I'll send you a really long fucking email that tells you the entire history of humanity and parts of it, our story. It's a fucking humongous email, but converts really well for us. We send a ton of email in different formats. And the reason why we do that is because we want to communicate with you. We want to start building a relationship. And we take it as our responsibility to make you engage during the trial. And all we try to do with the emails is get people to respond. We've built a sales machine where we send a shit ton of email. And all we want you to do is respond. The moment you, re you respond, now you're part of our sales funnel. And we'll jump on a call. We're not, maybe even not reply to your email if we think it's a big enough opportunity. You respond with three questions. Next second, you're getting a phone call from us. And we'll answer those questions on the phone. Send emails always personalized. You guys know that there's some hacks. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. There used to be a time, and some people do this successfully, where you do, where you do automated emails. You can have a little like send via iPhone or something at the bottom. Again, gets response rates up because it makes it more human, makes it more real. It's a little bit of a great thing. Um, but yeah, but, but that's it. Like most of this shit you guys already know. So cold emails, like if for people that don't do SaaS trials, if you want to start cold emailing people that don't already know about your business, there's a book called Predictable Revenue. It's written by a friend of mine, Aaron Ross. Somebody knows it. And they gave it two th thumbs up. And if you really want to do enterprise sales, you should buy this book and read it. Just buy Predictable Revenue and read it. Uh, he developed this process where if you really wanted to go up in the enterprise, he would try to find somebody that's, a few levels above his buyer, instead of trying to convince the buyer directly in the enterprise, he would go two levels above the buyer asking for a referral down. So it'd be like, hey, CEO of the business, I'm doing this in one sentence thing that's really valuable. Can you point me in the right direction? Who in your organization is the right person to chat briefly about this? And then at 30, 40% of the time, if you write that email correctly, the CEO doesn't give a shit, so they'll just forward it to the right person, which will then get you a call. Doesn't mean they'll buy, but you'll know who the right person is, and that person will respond to your call. Much better process go from the top down versus the bottom up, something worth um, exploring if you're doing enterprise sales, if you're doing a lot of uh, cold emails. All right, uh, this is not, is this right? Oh yeah, so let's talk about follow-ups. This is my favorite thing. Here, here's winning 
90% of the time when I win, it's because I follow up when nobody else is. I have a simple follow-up philosophy in life. I never, ever, ever stop following up until I get a response. You're my man. Yeah, I don't know. We, <laughs> you sit at the right point. Like, I, I get all the love. That's awesome. Here's the thing. Here's the, the, the basic philosophy, right? Most people think that silence equals rejection, and that's wrong. That's simple as that. I'm not a mind reader. If we have a positive interaction, we have a call, we have a meeting, something, and you say, yes, your product looks really good, I really want to test it, or I really want to have another call or something, and then you go silent on me, I'm not going to make up a story why that is. I send you one email, I don't hear anything. A second, I don't hear anything. A third, I don't hear anything. I'm not then going to go, he really hates me. He thinks I'm ugly. Like, I'm not going to make up stories what's happened, right? I'm just going to keep following up. My assumption is always you got busy. You have another life. I'm not the center of your universe. You got busy. My job is to manage this relationship. It's important to me. It's my responsibility to keep up and keep following up until something happened. And there's many stories for me. Uh, you know, we raised a shit ton of money from a billionaire investor, and it took only 48 follow-up emails after he said yes to meeting us to then get the meeting. Uh, you know, I got a press article the other day on TechCrunch, and it only took nine months and 12 emails to different people pitching that article until somebody responded and said, yeah, this is great. I'm like, no shit, it's great, I know. I've been pitching it to you for nine months, right? I just, this magic, there's magic happens when you follow up, because that's where everyone else drops the ball. You're the only person in the race. Like this, the race starts really crowded. Everyone wants to get started and show up and do the first pitch and send the first email and have the first call. Everybody's like, it's so crowded, so competitive. But then after a little while, when it requires a second or third follow-up, you're alone now. You can walk as slowly as fuck, you're going to win. You know, and every day I get some case study. We're gonna, I'm gonna write a specific book just about follow-up. Trust me, this shit works, right? Just keep following up relentlessly and magic will happen in your life. There's only one thing that kills companies. It's not success or failure. It's not a yes or no that's gonna kill you when, it, when it's in sales. The thing that's gonna kill you is the maybe. It's the I don't know what the fuck is going on with this deal. That's what's fucking companies, careers, lives. That's what I fucking hate. I can deal with a no, you reply and you tell me fuck off, I'll leave you alone. That's a result, right? I can deal with results. But when there's nothing and I have to come up with stories, that's where really bad things happen. And I'm going to give you uh, a hack that, you know, that speaks against following up endlessly. But it's something if you want to do follow up at scale, it might be a tactic that you want to use or if you think I'm wrong. It's called the breakup email. So here's what you do. Uh, and lots of big companies do this really successfully. Is you send a bunch of emails and you don't get any response. And eventually, instead of doing what I say with big important things, investors, large accounts, press, whatever it is that you want to do, what you do is at some point you send a breakup email. The breakup email basically says, hey, I've been trying to get in touch with you for fucking ever. I'm just going to have to assume that you don't care about this. If you, I'm going to take you off my list. I'm going to delete you from my list of people I need to get in touch with. Here's all my contact information. If you ever want to talk about this, I'm, I'm excited. Goodbye forever from my side, though. That email is incredibly effective. Um, I'll give you two quick examples. This is HubSpot. Uh, so I got four emails from HubSpot salespeople once I signed up for the trial. The first four 
were all like, hey, I'm your account manager. Hey, how can I help you? The third one was like, hey, I have a discount coupon and I only have two and one is already spoiled. Bullshit, all right, whatever. Like all kinds of shit. And then I always was like, you know, archive, archive, archive. And then this email that was basically, I'm taking you off my list, I responded to. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm interested. I just didn't have time, right? Uh, and if you email me, Steli at Close, I'll give you all my slides and everything else you want, except my children. So the other thing is that this is a, this is another company. This is Trunk Club. This is an end consumer product. Did the exact same fucking thing at the exact same fucking time. First, hey, I'm your stylist, I'm your account manager, hey, we have this discount code, blah, 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 this and that. I don't reply, fourth email is like, goodbye from us. I responded to that email. It's a very, very effective email. You take something away from people, they'll snap into action. Even if it is, I, I will stop, you will stop hearing from me. People are like, no, 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 I wanna keep hearing from you. All right, the uh, other thing that I wanna highlight, so this is about uh, emails. Now let's talk a little bit about you demonstrating your product. If you're in B2B and you have to do sales calls and demos, here's a few things you need to do. Stop wasting everybody's time. Your demo, your product demo is a demonstration of value, not of features. It's a sales call, not a training call. I see this all the time, 60 minute demos where the person goes, hey, I'm now gonna show you everything I know about my product. And then they'll go into details that are painful, like, and here's where you can, uh, you know, update some information. Let me do that. And then they'll update the fucking information right in front of you. And then they'll push the button that says update. And they'll say, update. And then the spinny wheelie spins and they go, and now the information is updated. Really? Really, do I need to sit here and watch you click the fucking update button? Like, really, is that what you want to demonstrate? Like, just get to the fucking point. Qualify me, understand what I care about, what's the problem I have, what is the thing I need, and give it to me. Demonstrate how your product is going to deliver the value or is going to be the solution to my problem, and then stop. Demos need to be seven, eight, nine minutes, and then you give them a few minutes for questions. That's it. They won't remember anything Anyways, if you do anything that's longer than 10 minutes, demonstrating a product. Don't clickety-click around. Just go, this is the page where you do this, this is the page where you solve this problem, and here's the thing that's gonna change your life. Does that sound fair? What's your questions, right? That's it, don't, don't, don't go into, and let me go into settings and change the avatar. Like, what the fuck? And I see this consistently. CEOs, people that are very successful, very junior people, everybody thinks it must be 60 minutes of me talking. Don't do that. Also, when something goes wrong, and it always goes wrong, don't be rattled by that shit. You should expect it. Something will go wrong. Here's what we do when things go wrong and we do a product demo. We go, this is the perfect opportunity to show you how to deal with problems, right? So I got an error message in the app, right? What should you do when this happens? You go up into the right and close out, you click on support chat. You know that that chat room goes directly into our engineering room? Let's do that together right now. See, you see that chat room? Hey, engineers, I'm doing a demo with this company and we just got this error message. How do we fix this? And I demonstrate how to solve the problem versus being like, oh, it's an error message. Uh, mm, this never happens. Uh, let me refresh the app. Oh, shit, I just lost my internet. Uh, well, hmm, well, let me call AT&T while you wait and try to Comcast and try to fix this fucking problem. No, you just need to move on with life. Expect it, turn around, embrace the shit that happens, and go, and when shit happens, here's how you deal with it, right? If you're Comcast, you know, Fox, you call us and we'll call them for you, right? Whatever you wanna do, but don't get rattled by that. 
Right, here's some, uh, some more advice. How am I doing on time? Can somebody give me some kind of a, approximation? Okay. Oh, that's great, because I have a great story I want to end, and as much time as I can get for that, the better. All right, so let me finish with a, a last thought that I think hopefully is useful to some of you guys, and that's how to build a free sales team. Like, get, build a massive sales team without hiring anyone or paying anyone anything, right? So that might be interesting for some solo founders. Here's how I want you to think about uh, a virtual sales team. Anyone and everyone you know is now part of your sales team. I am part of your sales team if you're smart enough to make me so. And here's what I mean by that. Like, my, my, I have two older brothers. My middle brother, when he was five years old, you know, came home one day. Uh, uh, you know, we had a neighbor. She was there at, at, at our place having, having dinner with us. And our neighbor asked my brother, hey, you know, Nick, do you, have, do you have a girlfriend yet? You know, my mom and her were laughing. And you would expect, my brother's pretty shy, but you would expect him to be like super like, that's why she asked him, like super turn red in his face and everything. But my brother was like, yeah, just kept eating. And my mom and the neighbor was like, what, what, really? Really, you have, a, you have a girlfriend? What's her name? And my brother's like, I have four. <laughs> and they're like, and, and my, our neighbor's like, four? You have four girlfriends? Really? And my mom is like, wait, wait, do they know they're your girlfriends? <laughs> and my brother's like, no. <laughs> this is exactly the same deal here. So, your customers, your customers can be your extended sales fam family. They actually have to. They have to. Every person that buys from your, that buys from you could be part of your sales family. They can be your lead generation team. Here's what I mean by that. Ask for referrals. When I close a deal, I'll close the deal and I'll go, all right, now that we got this amazing amount of value that's gonna be created on both ends, who else do you know that you like that should know this exists? Here's what happens, nine out of 10 times, the person will go, oh, I need to think about this. And this is where most people leave it alone. You go, okay, again, back to the old thing, you don't wanna be an asshole, you don't wanna inconvenience people, but this is business, this is not about being liked. So here's what I do when somebody tells me I need to think about it, I'm like, I want you to think about it every day, any day for the rest of your life, but just for right now, one name. Just one person you really like, come on. One name, help me out here. And yeah, out of the nine that said no, four or five will say, all right, this is a name, just because I nudged them one more time. The rest, in a nice or not so nice fashion, will tell me, really, fuck off, I said I need more time. And then I'll, I'll back off. I'll say, hey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't bother you one more time, it's fine, I totally, I'm excited about it. Once you get a referral from a customer, you need to get referrals from customers. Once you get it, and it works out, and they become a customer, the moment they become a customer, you need to ask them, who do we have to thank for this shit? Like, who do we have to thank for this deal happening? And they always look at you like, you do, I, do I have to thank you? No, who, who got us in touch in the first place? Bob, right? Oh yeah, cool, can you do me a favor? Let's write Bob a thank you email right now so he knows you and I appreciate that. I'm, I'm writing it right now, please do the same. The moment the initial referrer gets two emails from both sides saying this was amazing, you know what happens? you get more fucking referrals. Now, you turn this into an engine, a process, something that can help you grow sustainably and repeatably your business versus something you ask you know, in a shy fashion and then you run away when they, when they cough or something, right? So referrals, get more great leads from your best customers. If you have a customer you don't like, don't get referrals from them. 
right? They'll give you more of that type of customer. But if you have really successful customers, get more of these kind of referrals from them. Also, when you're trying to close really big deals, use your customers as a virtual salesperson that helps you close the deal at the final stages, not at the beginning. You don't want to burn them out as a resource. But when things are really hard, eventually, you want to get in touch with a customer you love and have a great relationship with, and you go, hey, it'd be awesome. I'm trying to close this big company, and I know they totally respect and love you. They appreciate you. They're, like, they're very aware of your brand and everything you guys have accomplished. It would mean so much if you could send them a quick email letting them know how your experience was or asking them, hey, would it be fine for me to put them in touch with you and you just jump on a five-minute call, tell them how your experience was authentically? You don't tell them to say nice things. You know they're going to if you choose the right customer. You just tell them, can you make yourself available to help me with this? And if you do that correctly, it's going to make all the difference in closing really big deals. And the other thing is, if you do it correctly and you don't burn your customers out on this, only do it when you think you can't close the deal if the customer gets a really strong referral. If you do that, the customer will start getting more and more positive reinforcement that they're on a winning team. Every time they talk to a prospect, a week later, you go back to them and you go, hey, they became a customer. When they become a customer, you tell them, hey, you remember when you talked to John, who is a customer of ours? Was that helpful to you? Yeah, if it was helpful, can you send him a quick thank you email? Tell him that you're a customer now too. All of a sudden, they're on team winning. And they're like, yeah, I want to talk to more people about why we're winning with this product. Because every time I talk to somebody, they turn to a customer. That's a great feeling. You need to be really resourceful and turn anyone and everyone you know is part of your extended sales family. Now that you know me and you have my email address, anytime you're in negotiation with a big deal, a small deal, or any deal, and you need help or advice or anything else, send me an email. What's the worst thing that can happen? I'll ignore you, right? Purposefully because I want to see if you follow up. And then you send me another email and I'll go, fuck yeah, because the, aren't, you are the type of people I can't say no to. I say no to so many awesome people, investors every day, no, fuck you. You know, big partnerships from a big corporation, no, fuck you. But when an entrepreneur is like, I struggle, can I get your time? You know, it's hard to say no because those are my people and I've been that person. So make everyone and anyone part of your extended sales family. All right, here's the story I want to end with. So this is Flavio. Flavio is a really, really good friend of mine. Flavio is originally from Switzerland, computer science grad, uh, entrepreneur. Uh, he built a few startups that didn't go anywhere, and then he built one startup in Switzerland that he sold for millions and millions of dollars. He's today what you would call a growth hacker. He's an engineer. He can code, but he's more on the marketing side of things. And the other day, he came to a sales workshop I gave. And he was setting up the camera, and I was joking. This is the most overqualified cameraman. He's the only guy in this room who sold the company for millions and millions of dollars. That's how I roll. And, uh, and at the end of the sales thing, he comes to me and he goes, you know what, I'm really pumped on this sales shit. I should do a sales internship with you. Man, I should just, can I just, can I be your junior sales guy for a month? And I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool idea. Let, let's sleep over this and see if we're still excited about it tomorrow. So the next day we go, yeah, all right, we'll do this. Sales internship, hustle internship, multimillionaire startup founder is gonna fucking intern as a sales, junior sales guy for me. Kinda cool, all right, let's do it. And I really like him, we're really good friends. So he starts his internship. On day one, he starts making calls, calling new signups for Close.io, welcome them to the trial, qualifying them, doing all that good stuff. And I hear a few of his calls. And do you know when you had an expectation and you trusted somebody deeply, and then your heart is broken, and you know it was the wrong decision. I hear him on the first few calls, and internally I'm dying. Externally I'm like, 
Good job, buddy. Everything all. Internally, I'm fucking dying. I'm like, oh my God, he's so bad. How can he be so bad at this? Like, I've talked to him before. He is a loud guy and everything. Like, how is he so nervous? And so he was horrible on day one. Three days later, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how good he became. Like, I can't believe how fucking awesome he is on the phone. He had the biggest turnaround from like horrible to amazing in just a few days. It was, it, it was exceptional. The cool thing is he credits all this to me, so that's good. I have one guy, he's running around telling every founder he knows that he needs to be an intern with our company. But uh, he became really good really fast, right? But here's a, a, a really cool example, a story. And what I want to share here is an attitude that you should apply to your lives and to your businesses. So it's day eight on his hustle internship. He calls new trials. Our trial goes for 14 days. He causes people, the purpose of the call is to qualify, to help them with answers, figure out why they came to us, how, what, what they're looking for, see if there's a real opportunity that we need to focus on, or if they're the wrong type of customer, we need to point them in a different direction. It's all that good early stuff. So he calls a new sign up in the morning, and he qualifies them. He goes through all that question and he figures out, yeah, I think we would be really the right solution for you guys. Now, oh no, sorry, this is not even a trial. This is somebody who filled out the contact form, right? So we got a contact request about some information about our product and he calls them to qualify them. They have not signed up for a trial yet. So he calls them, he qualifies them, and at some point they start with objection. Well, but what about this? What about that? And at some point they're like, well, but Salesforce has all these integrations, and he's like, why do you need integrations? What kind of integrations? What do you, how do you do things today? Like, yeah, and they're like, yeah, I mean, we're not really using integrations, but eventually we're like five salespeople. If we want to scale to 5,000, then we worry about this specific integration. And at some point he goes, all right, all right, buddy, there's a reason this is not called fuckaround.io, but close.io. <laughs> if you want to fuck around, go to Salesforce, right? But if you want to close fucking deals, let's move on with life here and let's not worry about these things. The person on the other line starts laughing, ha, 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 you're so funny, blah, 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 all right, all right. You know everything there is to say, okay, we're, we're going to do it. They hang up. Cool. I heard that line. We all got really entertained in the company, company chat. We try to buy fuckaround.io. Um, <laughs> they didn't sell it to us. You know, the Indian Ocean thought this is probably improper. You know, they're going to do some bad things on that URL website. So they, they, they said no to us trying to buy it. So we had, all, we had a lot of fun in the company. We were like, this is such a cool line and everything. And then uh, a few hours later, uh, he, has an, he had another call scheduled with a co-founder of that guy. So they jump on another call, and he does a demo with them, right? So he does the demo. He answers a bunch more questions. And at the end of the call, he goes, I, I, I see you still haven't started the trial. Let's start the trial, guys. Let's get going. Let's, I really want to champion you. I really want to have you start making calls, closing deals. You, you, let's do this. And they're like, yeah, all right. We'll sign up within the next hour, and then if we have questions, we'll get back to you. Cool. He hangs up. 9 p.m., we go for dinner. We come back to the office. 9 p.m., we're chit-chatting. And he goes, oh, let me check if they sign up for a trial. And he checks. He's like, motherfuck, they still haven't signed up for the trial. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is how people are, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm the aggressive salesperson. The guy's like, I'm calling them. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to say anything about this. If you want to call them, call them. So he calls them, and he's like, dude, I just came back from dinner with Steli, the founder of the business. I tell him all about you guys, and, I, and there's no trial. Why haven't you signed up for a trial yet? And the guy goes, 
well, you know, we had these questions about this integration, how to get all our data migrated into it, and we really didn't want to use up a day of our 14 days free trial, so we really wanted to wait till we have everything figured out. And Flavio goes, you, you can't stop fucking around, can you? <laughs> you just can't, right? And the guy starts laughing and goes, ah, okay, I'll sign up for a trial. And Flavio's like, fuck yeah, you are right now, let's do it. And the guy goes, all right, all right, I'm signing up for a trial. Did you see? Yep, I see your trial. All right, awesome. So let's get your data in. And then Flavio does, so all, all, all this is like just being like, you know, whatever, being aggressive, being flamboyant, being like a hustler and all that. Now he does everything that a normal salesperson wouldn't do to make them successful. He doesn't just go, oh, trial, my job is done. He goes, all right, trial, let's get your data into this. The guy import, try, does a data import, gets an error message, screen share. You know, Flavio debugs the shit. Gets, gets the CVS file, makes the columns be correct. 35 minutes, 10 p.m. at this point, 45 minutes, gets all their data in, right? Now that he gets their data in, he goes, all right, buddy, let's check. The, the guy clicks on a random lead, and one thing we do really well is we integrate email communication automatically. So when you put in a lead in Close.io, a few seconds later, you see all the historic email threads you had with him in our product already, and we can give you data and analytics on that. So the guy looks at a lead and then sees the, the email threads pop up, and he goes, wow, this is awesome. Flavio's like, do you think that's awesome? Let's do something else. Let's go to the lead page in Close.io, and now I want you to type this into the search bar. Show me all leads where the last thing that happened is they got an email from us, they didn't reply, it's been longer than two weeks ago. And the guy selects all these options, and from the 500 leads they get, it goes down to 43 leads. And Flavio's like, do you know what this means? And the guy goes, I need to fucking get in touch with these 43 companies. <laughs> Flavio's like, right, are you ready to buy right now? He's like, yeah, fucking let's do it. Where can I put my credit card in? <laughs> All this magic, and literally, I was sitting there, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. One day close turnaround, you know, they didn't even get to really trial anything. That's the magic when you stop fucking around, right? Sales, sales at the end of the day, is you being the most decisive person in the room. Once, once you're really truly convinced that you can help them, it's your responsibility, it's your duty, it's your, it should be your religion to make them successful with your product. All right, if you want a hustle internship or look to join a kick-ass ass team, we're just six people, we're tiny, we're profitable, we're growing insanely, we're kicking ass. Our nearest competitor is 150 people. We're kicking their ass every fucking day. So uh, let us know. And if you want me to be part of your extended sales family, just shoot me an email to stelly at close.io. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining me in this walk down microconf memory lane. If you recall, these talks that we're going through now are part of our, it's a top 10 playlist and it's called Building Your First SaaS. And these are kind of the fundamental building blocks that we see people needing in order to, to build and launch that first SaaS company. So if you're enjoying these refresh episodes or really anything in this podcast feed, really appreciate a five-star review or a tweet. We are at microconf. Just, you know, thanking us for putting in the time, putting in the effort to get these into your earbuds every week. Thanks for joining me. I'll talk to you next week.